The season premiere of Saturday Night Live with Margot Robbie is over, but we're just getting started here on the SNL post-show recap. And now here are the two guys who are decked out in socks and Crocs. I'm Rob Sisterino. Here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? Good. So happy to be back. So excited to be talking SNL again after a short few month hiatus. Yes. And we actually spoke in what was it, August when we got the news about Taryn Killam and Jay Farrow? Yes. Nice little mini pop up podcast talking about the cast changes. And we will talk about the new additions as we go today to sort of round it out. Yeah. So plenty of news to get through in terms of new members to the cast and plenty more SNL housekeeping business to talk about. But the Margot Robbie premiere episode was overshadowed by the addition of Alec Baldwin as Donald Trump and the big debate. So we will talk about all that and much more. Plus, we will take your comments as we go along. Hashtag PS recaps again here at the start of the season. Just want to give out the link for the iTunes feed for this podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. We do appreciate you guys subscribing at the start of the season and your feedback and star ratings really do help people find this show. So especially here at the start of another SNL podcasting season, Rich, right? The least anybody could do is at least give us an honest rating in the iTunes store. The same way that we're fair but honest with SNL, be fair and honest with us. Yes, yes. Although, although maybe not an a boy on the iTunes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would if be. If I some, could ask, some wiseacre is ready for the one star a boy <laughs> rating. But no, please, please. All right, so let's get into talking about this. And Rich, I have so many questions about the Alec Baldwin news, which really came out of nowhere yep. with uh, Donald Trump. I mean, really, now in the last twelve months, we've seen three different actors playing Donald Trump on SNL. In that, Taron Killen had the Donald Trump at the start of season 41. Then, of course, Daryl Hammond took the reins through the rest of season 41 from the point that Donald Trump actually hosted SNL. And now here's Alec Baldwin coming in with his Trump. So do you feel like that SNL reached out to Alec Baldwin or Alec Baldwin reached out to SNL? I suspect that, I mean, we know that Alec Baldwin is close personal friends with Lorne Michaels, so I'm suspecting that it was a little bit of the two. I would more expect that I think that, I think this was really smart to sort of take a step back of, what do you do if you're Lorne Michaels? You know, you don't want to go back to Taron Killam. We have all determined that while Daryl Hammond does a wonderful impression, it is not right for cold opens. The energy just isn't there. You had this amazing lift with, uh, with Larry David playing Bernie Sanders and everyone get excited to seeing Larry David. So instead of casting a featured player who does a great Trump impression, why not just get a heavy hitter? So I think this was a brilliant idea. I suspect that maybe uh, uh, um, Lord Michaels knew that Alec Baldwin in his personal life was doing a Donald Trump impression at dinners and cocktail parties. And then I think that he reached out to him and said, please come on for the season and be, be our Donald Trump. Now, we know from 30 Rock that at at the very least, uh, Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin are probably friends in real life. Do you think that any part of her playing Tina Fey and coming in, I'm sorry, playing Sarah Palin and coming in and doing those spots in the 2008 election was something that influenced this decision, whether it was her talking to him that he should do it or him being on the set of 30 Rock at that time? 
It could be, certainly. I mean, you know, he was there when uh, Sarah Palin visited the show. He stopped by. You know, we saw him uh, last season in a cold open in a Republican debate, uh, you know, not playing Donald Trump, but playing someone else. You know, he's, you know, certainly friend of the show. He's hosted more than any other human being in the 42 years of SNL. So he knows what he's getting into. He understands this. Uh, so and uh, but I certainly think having someone like Tina as someone that he's friends with you know doesn't hurt it when it's sort of uh deciding to you know bring him on yeah and that's what mark in the chat and also brie is linking to that apparently tina fey suggested it to lorne so uh it does seem like that there is some of the sarah palin dna uh that it ends up uh with this impression being formed all right so let's talk about this where we had the big debate everybody was talking about it all week long and of course you were waiting for snl to come back here it is to talk about it so Rich, how did you feel like it all worked out? Do you want to talk about the sketch first or the Alec Baldwin Trump impression? Well, I think that you can't separate the two for me. I I think that you have to, you know, what I said on Twitter when we were talking about this, is I said, you know, the question is, how would Alec Baldwin be? And I thought, well, he's not going to be nearly as accurate as Daryl Hammond, because that's not what Alec Baldwin does. I said, he's going to be over the top. It's going to be sort of very mean spirited. It's going to be very high energy. And that's exactly what we got. And that's exactly what you need for cold open sketches. Subtlety and nuances are great at, you know, let's say, you know, 10, uh, 11.50 p.m., but at, uh, at 11.31 p.m., we need big, broad, over-the-top, and that's exactly what this was, and I think it helped so much. I think the the energy, forget the accuracy, the energy of this versus a Daryl Hammond's cold open was night and day. It was like two different shows. He came out, he's got star power, he's got charisma, he's just chewing up the scenery, and it it was just and and he himself, Alec Bowman, is sort of known as something of not the nicest guy. So I think there is something of Alec Baldwin in this that worked out really perfectly. Yeah, I was following along on Twitter, the SNL hashtag, and I was watching it live on the East Coast feed. And just the instant reaction was just, oh, my God, Alec Baldwin is killing it. Amazing. Fantastic. And then even the reaction today on Sunday, it was just still continues to be how Alec Baldwin nailed this. Yeah, because I think that I think that Daryl Hammond did the great celebrity apprentice Donald Trump sort of, you know, but not the really mean spirited bulldog Donald Trump. And that's what Alec Baldwin brought to this. I heard my wife actually showed me a clip of uh, of Colin Jost was talking about this and saying when he watched the actual debate, he knew that Alec Baldwin was going to be doing it, even though it hadn't been announced yet. And he was surprised to watch the real Donald Trump and see how many of Alec Baldwin's actual mannerisms were within Donald Trump. So it was it really was sort of a, a perfect fit. So just to play an A1 a-hole, you've got Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, perfect, always be closing as Donald Trump, uh, you know, talking about Jaina. It was just really, really fun. Did you feel like that there was one iconic line or two? We're going back to the Tina Fey, Sarah Palin, where you could like go back and recite some of the lines that she had like, oh, I can see Russia from my house did you feel like there was there one i mean you mentioned gina is there one line that you feel like that we will come away from this even like a couple months from now that we'll be remembering from this 
You know, I don't think that there was necessarily one line, but I thought, uh, well, I, sh- I, I, I thought there was something else we'll take away from it. But no, there wasn't one line for me. For me, what I loved about it was so many of the little asides, like every time in the sketch, every time he called out, he had referenced Lester Holt. First, he called him Jazz Man. And then the second time he called him Coltrane, mm-hmm. which I just I, I thought so many of those little nuances were really funny. Was there any line for you that really stood out? No, uh, not necessarily. There, there wasn't any any one thing. Uh, but I did think that they really uh, nailed the split screen, and I do think that it's going to be interesting to see what you know what the impact of this sketch ultimately has on preparation for the next debate. But that's probably stuff for a different podcast yeah. on how yeah. the real life politicians respond to what we saw on SNL. Right. Well, and what I would also say about this is the the thing that makes the the Alec Baldwin Trump impression is so critical for another reason that it gives the ability for Kate McKinnon to now play more of a straight person with some wacky overtones, which was really the missing piece of the Hillary Clinton impression. When Hillary Clinton had to be the crazy one, we only had a couple of moves. We had I want this so badly I could kill you. I don't know how to relate to people. All good moves, but not really anchoring a sketch. Now she can play the like greats. You know, she can still have her moments of weirdness. My dad did drapery and I think I'm not even sure and stuff. But we can have Alec as Trump go on the long run. And when and when Holt says, you know, it's Clinton, Mrs. Clinton, what do you think about that? She says, I think I'm going to be president. Mm. And that is that's the line that you'll remember from this sketch. It was actually a straight person payoff line that she does so well when they, you know, when they run through the whole thing and these questions and she says, can America vote right now? It's like, yes, this you it just felt like it's working on all cylinders that the Hillary comes together with the Trump. You throw in a Bernie every once in a while and you, you just have a really, really good uh, sort of energy dynamic for comedy. Also, we had Michael Shea as the Lester Holt opening up in the debate. Do you feel like that in the absence of Jay Farrow, we're going to see Michael Shea appearing in more sketches? Yeah, I think this was, if I, I, I can't say officially, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time we saw Michael Che doing an impression on the show. You know, he's been in sketches and small pieces. Rarely, this is the first time we saw him do something big. Um, I, I wonder whether he liked doing it or not, but I thought he did a, a very fine job. It really is some nice energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really think he did much of a Lester Holt impression. I think that he was just sort of a guy, but he did have some good reactions in terms of like, the, I forget there was... One of one of the things that Trump says, and he really just gives him a look. And uh, it was I thought good job by Michael J. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, even though it wasn't the funniest moment, what a great shout out to the late Gene Wilder, who we lost over the summer when Kate McKinnon comes out as uh, Hillary uh, with the cane and coughing. And then she does the uh, Willy Wonka somersault to say, I'm I'm well, I'm well. It was just really a a great shout out. Now, Rich, speaking of shout outs that I know that you really enjoyed the opening sketch for SNL. But I do have to imagine that you were not thrilled with the Alec Baldwin Donald Trump live from New York read. 
No, and uh, we can decide when I when I go on my screed about uh, uh, the omerta feeling I have about Alec Baldwin at the end of the show. But uh, he, Alec Baldwin, did exactly what Daryl Hammond used to do in these cold opens: is he yelled live from New York at Saturday night as Donald Trump, as opposed to what has become the norm, which is to drop the character and let the performer scream it with glee and excitement and emotion. So Alec really gummed up our live from New York and uh, we, we lost all the wonderful energy that we had built up in the sketch. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one other thing, which is a little bit dabbling into the politics side of it, just that the way that the Alec Baldwin, Donald Trump brought up the Monica Lewinsky thing. Uh, I think it was it was interesting. I like I feel like it makes it harder for the actual Donald Trump to bring that up in a potential debate. Yeah, I mean, without getting into politics, I, I, I have a hunch that it never was going to come up in a debate because he knows it would make him look so bad. It's easier to say I'm a good guy because I didn't mm-hmm. uh, and then sort of have other people talk about it and make it a talking point on all the new shows. Uh, and I love the fact that SNL sort of got in front of it. It's like, OK, where do you go from here? But just in the joke in that, like, yeah, duh, everybody knows that. I think that that was an interesting take to go. Which is sort of like, yeah, I think everybody does know that fact. Yeah, yeah. No, it was great. It was such a great. And his like, her name is Monica. I don't have her last name, but my people are working on it. It was just such a great way to take on like that, that he's such a dummy and he doesn't even put that together, which I just love. All right. So let's get into the monologue here with Margot Robbie that during the summer, Rich, I had talked about that. My prediction was that Jared Leto, I said, was going to be the host of SNL game. Came very close, but no cigar with Margot Robbie as the host of SNL. And this monologue, it was interesting. I thought it was uh, the more fun than funny. Yeah, I thought, you know, this was a good way to use her. I thought what I liked, here's what I liked. She had very good energy. She was surprisingly not as nervous as most first time hosts. I thought she was very composed. Um, And I liked that we took this sort of idea of fact checking uh, and sort of used it as a new way, you know, asides to uh, to a different camera is as old as, you know, SNL season one and also going back to the Tonight Show with Steve Allen. But I thought this was a fun way to sort of give a little bit of topical twist to a very old cliche. I thought the fact checks that she did for herself were not necessarily uh, hilarious, but it was fun to see sort of a roll call of five five big cast members come on and uh, and, and they kind of mixed it up enough that we didn't sort of like, oh, okay, I get it. It's going to be all, all these things. I liked, we kept sort of hitting different jokes. I definitely agree more fun than funny, but I thought really good energy to start off the show. I did like the roll call and I liked how because over the summer like oh yeah I forgot oh it's Cecily oh great oh, this is so, so right. exciting and so like a lot of the SNL people we haven't seen for three or four months uh, this was nice uh, but I felt like that there were some exceptions uh, where was Bobby well, a couple, I mean, you know, we'll talk about sort of when you when you look at sort of the screen time uh, of our cast members for this episode, very, very skewed. And we'll talk about it as we go. Um, you know, more than anything, I would say, where was Vanessa? I given how little screen time she, didn't she get was going to get. Cut, right, get Rich? 
You wouldn't know it from the show other than her saying goodnight. I was really it was really rough and it was really, really sort of a rough one for her. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So so I don't know that in, you know, in knowing what the breakdown was going to be, I don't know that we needed to see Keenan and, and Leslie since they were going to be all over the show anyway. Um, but I understand this is not a uh, it's not a meritocracy. They're they're sort of putting some of the big the big guns first. But I really thought that it was like, OK, well, here are our stars. And OK, well, Keenan is sort of like the captain that he's been here for 14 years and Leslie Jones I think has really become like a much bigger name even over the course of the summer with and and we'll get into some of the news surrounding Leslie Jones from over the summer so I felt like that you had your made you know some of these major stars I'm not sure did uh did Kate McKinnon come out for that or she had just done Hillary yeah no, uh, it but, was uh, Keenan Leslie Cecily Pete and 80 yeah so I felt like Bobby was the real the real exception yeah. Yeah. Bobby. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I agree. So, yeah. And again, you know, interesting jokes. The the only thing, the only me close to like huh, for me was, as I've said many, many times before, I love Leslie Jones. But the idea of I love you, Kate Upton was like, yep, we've now made that joke 100 <laughs> times on SNL that Leslie Jones, you know, doesn't know white people <laughs> uh, and not that it's not funny and not that her performance in it is not always great. Uh, but it was just uh, just like, yeah, we've kind of seen this, but everything else was great. I love Pete Davidson. I love Cecily Strong talking about going out to a museum and it was really, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a, a bar where they were on a mechanical bull. It was really not a mechanical bull. It, bull, it was a guy. So a lot of fun stuff. Here. All right. Let's talk about the Action 9 news and the sinkhole, Rich. So we end up with the story where we're going to a remote and we find out that the character, uh, which was who played Matt Shatt? So that was Mikey Day. Mikey okay, Day. so. So we've got three new featured players here. Uh, one of the interests, so Mikey Day is uh, a little bit more not unique, but, but, but less common. Mikey, a uh, former groundling, was, uh, I remember him from Nick Cannon's Wild and Out. Very good. He's been a writer on SNL since 2013. So he already has uh, three seasons as a writer under his belt. So he's coming in as a featured player in a very different way than an Alex Moffat or uh, or uh, Melissa Vinicius. Um, because he knows everybody. He's been writing for years. He's well regarded. He was actually the head writer of the Broadway video produced uh, Maya and Marty on NBC on primetime, as well as a cast member, which obviously must have been some kind of an audition of sorts. So he's coming in. We're going to see him, especially Alex Moffat as well. But we're going to see Mikey Day more in this episode than we saw John Rudnitsky in season 41 of Saturday Night Live. It was unbelievable. Uh, he was as big. I can't remember the last time a featured player got this much screen time in their premiere episode other than maybe Mike Myers, who was was very dominant when he first came on. Uh, not a surprise. He wrote this up ep- this this sketch with Streeter Seidel. Uh, a writer on the staff so and that's what they always say about feature players if you want to get on camera you have to write your sketch so he wrote the sketch of him uh matt shat uh and his hot girlfriend uh wrote talking about the sinkhole okay rich did this premise uh hold together for you for for a whole sketch based on this idea uh, you know, it did. I mean, again, as we've always talked about, I have very low expectations for season premieres of SNL because they're very raw. They're they're very uh, rough. They're they're out of shape. They're out of practice. 
I don't know that this was a post monologue sketch in its in its brilliance, but I thought uh, and I don't actually know that this is where we use Keenan well. I, I, I think that this is where I would rather have seen a Taron Killam, you know, or, uh, you know, clearly or a, uh, you know, or, or going back uh, to, you know, um, you know, uh, Bill Hader or someone in this role to really sell this. But I did like once we get the premise that, wait, we're more we're more amazed that this guy got a hot girl uh, that at least I liked the way that things sort of turned, uh, finding out that he's a puppeteer and he had a Kia Sportage, uh, and then he's wearing Crocs and socks. Uh, so, so I, at least I felt like it built well, even if the premise itself was not a level premise. Yeah, I thought this was fine. Again, I, I don't know if I would have led off with this, but it was uh, definitely fun. I like incensed Keenan where he's uh, getting very upset about something. That's always funny. But I did think that the game of the scene was that the men were really hung up on this and that Cecily yes. as the straight person on the newscast, she didn't seem too interested in it. But then we brought in Leslie Jones and then she was really fixated on it. And then by the end of the sketch, Cecily was also pretty fixated on trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I don't think that the actual I don't know that it made a ton of sense, uh, you know, sort of a, what is the reality of the scene that we're trying to understand. Uh, but I, as I said, I, I, I thought there was enough sort of fun about it while we were watching. But uh, I don't think we're going to see the sketch again. That's for <laughs> the sure. return. Of I also Chad. will say, yeah. I also will say SNL has a very checkered uh, past, depending on the writing regime of what to do with a very attractive uh, female host. Uh, sometimes we see them in very ridiculously skimpy outfits or doing uh, what I would consider potentially demeaning scenes. I thought this was definitely a better use of how do we sort of talk about, you know, how do we use an attractive woman where she herself was not doing anything that felt uh, like the character was not supposed to be an idiot or anything like that she was she you know so i liked that okay well then the next sketch and i thought that this was a little bit of going back to the same exact well in between not even having a commercial break where we had the librarian sketch where the premise of the sketch is like hey isn't margot robbie so hot which was basically the premise of the previous sketch but there is certainly a turn that this sketch takes. I saw some mixed reviews from our listeners on uh, Twitter today. I saw Zach Brooks uh, calling the librarian the first a boy of the season. Uh, I saw that Mike Bloom said that he liked it. Uh, Rich, were you pro librarian? I was I, I was mixed on this one because I'll say I thought that the premise for me was such a throw. It felt like we were making fun of something that's 30 years out of date. The hot teacher feels like we're going back to uh, a Van Halen video or, uh, you know, an 80s sex comedy. Uh, but this clearly did not play to take place in the 80s. This was not making fun of 80s movies. So it felt so sort of out of sorts for me. Like, what is this that we're making fun of? Uh, so it, that kind of lost me. When I let go of that, I liked the execution. I thought the execution was very fun, how it built her hair coming out and then taking the teeth out. And then so I thought there was a lot of fun about it, um, but it was hard for me to buy into. I don't even know exactly what we're watching. Yeah. 
And then by the end of it, once uh, she reveals that she has a bald head and then like uh, crazy teeth and like this lizard tongue and acid that saliva and she's killing people. I really thought that the joke was going to be that this was like some sort of like backwards backdoor promo for season four of The Strain. I don't know if you ever watched that show. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I mean, but the, I mean, the, that's basically like what happens on that show. It's just funny that they you, you did all of these things of like, that's what those vampires are on that show. Like sort of like where we did sort of like the backdoor commercial for the X-Files uh, with Larry David from the Totino's Pizza Rolls. But um, yeah, it was fun. I, I like the Haley Joel Osment yeah. then and Haley Joel Osment now yeah. tattoos. Now, also a little behind the scenes shout out that I was very pleased to see. Very sweet. Uh, for, uh, if you if you you may have noticed in the opening shot when it's his librarian, the, the establishing shot, we see along the top wall uh, the name of the college's Villanez Academy. Um, and that was a shout out to we, we unfortunately over the summer lost uh, Matt Villanez of Matt and Oz fame. Matt and Oz uh, have been sort of the go to directors on SNL for a number of years now. Uh, and Matt, unfortunately, but very young uh, in his early 40s, I believe, passed away from cancer. Not a surprise to those who were close to him, but obviously a surprise to us, the fans. Um, and so Oz Rodriguez went on and directed this by himself. This is the first SNL piece he's directing without not the first because uh, Matt had been sick for a while, but the first and, you know, uh, since the passing of Matt. So it was very sweet that they had Villanez Academy in, in the in the establishing shot uh, to sort of honor uh, a fallen comrade of Saturday Night Live. Okay. Rich, let's talk about the return of the family feud, Steve Harvey family feud. And we got the political edition, uh, Trump versus Clinton. I was actually a little surprised that we were going to go back to the political. Well, I thought that we were going to see Trump and Hillary again leading the teams, but that really wasn't the case. Uh, A number of the Trump and Clinton surrogates show up in this sketch. So, um, I thought this was uh, this. I thought this really started off very strong and I, I really liked everybody that we had here in play. Yeah, I liked the impressions. I like, you know, again, this is just sort of our chance to do sort of a, uh, an impression roll call. We're going to see nine or in this case, uh, 11 impressions in one sketch. Uh, I don't know that the actual writing of the family feud itself was necessarily interesting. I think, unfortunately, uh, one of the things I love is the usually with the writing, they give Keenan very funny put downs as uh, Steve Harvey. In this one, there were much fewer. So. So uh, my suspicion is that they uh, were able to get uh, uh, Larry David again. They it did not make sense to put him in the cold open. And they were sort of figuring out, well, how do we bring Larry David back one more time? And because they obviously the star power of him and his impression, I suspect that it was sort of created for this. And th- that's how it came about. Rich, when you and I podcast about the season finale back in May, we said, OK, well, what a send off for Larry David. We'll look back at season 41 of SNL and say, boy, this was the Larry David season as Bernie Sanders and a uh, great send off. You went out the elevator and then it just I can't believe we're back season premiere. And with all due respect to Bernie Sanders, I mean that uh, he had uh, like he, he was in the news a bit this week, but not really a major no. moment to bring him no. back for. 
No, and to the point of that, this impression, which we really saw sort of morph around sort of the feel your feel the burn uh, uh, pre-tape piece from last year, this was less making fun of Bernie Sanders and more doing a hybrid Larry David character from Curb Your Enthusiasm. I don't think we would think Bernie Sanders would say, geez, enough with the hellos already. The show is all hellos. I mean, that's a that's a Larry David character bit, not a Bernie Sanders bit. So it was really just like we're just having Larry David being a curmudgeon, which I'll take any week of the year. But it really was like almost like, well, we're just sort of the reason Larry is here is to carry on the Bernie. But we're really not doing Bernie anymore. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. He can come back every week. I, I have no issues with yeah, it. I just right. was so surprised that he was that he was back again when we yeah. like really were wondering if he even liked doing it. But I think at this point we have to say he he loves it. No, I think he's having a great time. He's he's <laughs> yeah. hanging out to the end. I think he's having a great time. Yeah. It was great to have him. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, since we're talking about Bernie, let's go on the uh, Democratic side. Uh, Daryl Hammond is Bill Clinton. First time I think we're seeing that Daryl Hammond and and Bill Clinton beyond the cold open in quite some time. Yeah, no, it's usually only as a as a show up in the cold open. I wonder how much of this was that they really wanted it, how much of this was sort of a nod. Daryl was demoted. I don't even know if Daryl liked doing Donald Trump any, uh, to a certain extent, but obviously there was a bit of a demotion. I wonder if this was a nice nod to be able to say we still love uh, Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond still does the best uh, Bill Clinton out there. He is in re- unreplaceable in this way. Uh, I love the impression. I don't think in this this sketch, as uh, I think a, a lot of people, Je- Jennifer is saying in the in the chat room, uh, I, I don't know that this was the funniest uh, Bill Clinton, uh, you know, or, or, you know, overall, I don't know that there was a lot funny to it. It was cute, but I don't know if it necessarily worked. Yeah, uh, we also have Sarah Silverman, and this is another one of our new featured players, correct? Yep. So this is uh, Melissa Vincent. V- v- I'm sorry. I always choke on her name. Via Senor. Mm-hmm. Um, I know her be from the comedy store and a lot of local uh, comedy clubs. We've been seeing her for a long time around here. Uh, NBC fans, as, as as we were talking with Scott St. Pierre before the show, might remember her from America's Got Talent. She went very far on that show. Uh, she is a local. Uh, she is the first female Hispanic cast member uh, in the history of SNL. 42 years. Uh, she is known as a great impressionist. She actually does a lot of interesting male impressions as well. Her Owen Wilson is 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 quite good um and so uh she's joined the team clearly here to to beef up the impression uh sort of taking the jay farrow spot in uh being able to do impressions she also does a hillary clinton there is zero chance we will see that unless we're doing sort of uh you know uh, a number of hillary clinton impressions for some dream sequence or something here she did her sarah silverman i will say i think it's fine the only reason i say that is because i think of the melissa viasen your impressions i don't know that that's the best one that she does um i think that uh, if you only knew her from this you might think she's forgettable uh keep watching she will do some really great stuff um so it's good to have her great to see more diversity in the cast um but i don't know that this particular uh sarah silverman impression did much for okay, her. and then also we have cecily doing an impression of lin-manuel miranda and which is notable because he is going to be the host of next week's episode so Rich, I thought that this was uh, pretty unusual to have an impression appear for the first time only seven days before that person is scheduled to host the episode. 
Yeah, I, and I almost would because such a large percentage of America has heard the name Hamilton, maybe has heard the name Lin-Manuel Miranda, but will have no idea who he is when he walks out onto home base next Saturday night. If this was in a weird way, almost a little bit of seeding the like, hey, you know, that guy, that's who is going to be your host next week. Um, I don't know. I know that she did the impression. I know that Lin-Manuel Miranda tweeted how honored he was in the and he loved it. Um, we'll talk at the end. I'm very excited for him to be hosting. He was my out of the box guest in our season finale last year of who would host the season premiere. I almost threw that in as a throwaway because I will really want to see him. Um, but I thought for all the impressionists that we have on SNL in this one stage doing the family feud, this was the impression of the night. Her doing that rap was so fun and so on point. And I think it was her best impression. It was just so silly and fun. To me, it was such a lift for the show because this was a great impression. Does it come back next week? Uh, I would definitely think there's a chance that uh, during the monologue, we could see Cecily come out as Lin-Manuel Miranda one more time. Okay. Uh, interesting. All right. Let's go over to the Republican side. And then uh, we started off with Kellyanne Conway, which, again, interesting to see Kate McKinnon uh, go from Hillary to the Kellyanne Conway impression. Yeah, I don't know that this necessarily bought us much. It was a little bit muddled. It, it, it was less of an impression and more of a character trait impression, which I think is hard, which is I'm not going to answer your questions. I'm not going to accept facts as facts. Um, all sweet, but uh I don't know. It's cute. Yeah. Uh, kind of forgettable. I bet we don't see her again, even though we'll be doing a lot more Trump in the next few weeks. Interesting. I think we might. I think I, that I, I believe uh, we'll, we'll see another Kellyanne Conway uh, appearance. I thought she actually did a pretty good job with it. And I think that she even uh, even vocally, I thought she sounded like her. All right. Uh, All right, I'll take it. We'll I, see. I, I can't speak to her that much, so I'll leave it to you. OK. Uh, Ivanka Trump, Margot Robbie as Ivanka. Uh, what did you think about the Ivanka Trump impression? I feel like that this is a first that we're seeing this impression, right? Anybody do yeah, an Ivanka remember, impre- Trump impression? I, I don't remember if anyone else. Yeah, I was trying to remember if we've seen anyone else do Ivanka. I don't think so. Uh, I was, Someone must have along the way, but certainly not notable. Maybe the chat room might remember. Um, it was interesting that I thought this impression was absolutely fine. I thought for a host impression, uh, you know, she's not like Ariana Grande, who, you know, in, in Celebrity Jeopardy, uh, I'm sorry, in Family Feud did a, a fantastic job. Um, I didn't think it was like notable, like blow up face. Facebook notable. I saw a lot of commenting on Facebook about how good this was. I thought it was fine. I thought for a host, she did a serviceable job. Um, you know, I like their take on Ivanka. Like I have fun. I schedule 20 minutes a day to have fun. But I again, I don't know that for me, this was super noticeable uh, notable. Yeah, I, and I don't want to really go through blow by blow of the actual round of Family Feud that they played because I thought it was, you know, pretty mundane in terms of, uh, you know, name a reason why people are late. But in terms of when Ivanka has to answer the question and the other Trump brothers come up, I feel like as someone who has podcast for years and years about the celebrity apprentice i disagreed with their assessment that donald trump jr is the smart one and eric trump is the other one yeah i I had no opinion on it it felt i I was just more like 
Mikey Day and Alec. Uh, 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 oh, and we were talked about uh, Alec is also the other new featured player who uh, I'm giving him a little short trip. But Alex Moffat, uh, Chicago alumni uh, improviser, uh, is our third one. He was in the uh, in the um, in the news sketch as the scientist who's talking about the sinkhole. He was also in the librarian sketch, as was Mikey Day. We see the two of them show up again in the third sketch in a row as the Trump brothers. So I was more thrown like, wow, these guys are getting so much screen time and we haven't seen Vanessa Bayer or Sashirza Mehta yet this episode. Uh, uh, that was more interesting to me. Yeah, uh, I would say of the Trump brothers, I, I would say probably Eric Trump is the the smarter one of, the, of those two guys, just as, as someone who has observed them uh, from the Celebrity Apprentice from over the years. I will take your word for it. <laughs> I have to give it to one of them. All right. Yeah. And then uh, Chris Christie uh, is back. Lots of bridge jokes. Yeah, uh, you know, Bobby, just to see Bobby back, I'm always excited. Bobby in a live sketch, there's nothing better. The The fact that well, the best we could do is just bridge jokes was just like, okay, it's wordplay. Mm. Not my favorite. Not okay. my favorite. Uh, and then Beck Bennett as Putin. Inspired choice. Uh, I, is, was it a good impression? I couldn't possibly tell you, but certainly a very inspired choice. And then ultimately Putin with his shirt off. Very funny visual sight gag. I thought it really gave a nice lift to the sketch. My only complaint is that in the shot that they did of Chris Christie, you could see the name tag that yeah. said Vladimir, which I thought tipped off the, the joke. I think that's a bigger reveal uh, if you don't know that Putin is going to be the last guy. Right. Yes, I totally agree. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then uh, let's talk music. Let's bring in for the first time yes. this season our musical correspondent uh, that he is uh, the editor of Exclaim uh, Magazine, uh, James Keith. James, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Oh, uh, very good. Uh, good. James, how was your summer? Uh, very, very good summer. And uh, yeah, excited, uh, excited to be back on the podcast and talk about my boy. Our boy, the weekend. Yes. Toronto's boy. <laughs> Your boy. Uh, were you friendship or pissed at uh, the weekend? Oh, I was friendship at the weekend for sure. <laughs> I, always, I always am. <laughs> okay. All right. So the weekend is here. And uh, so, uh, James, does the weekend have uh, some new stuff coming up here or do you have a hot summer? Which one was it? Uh, well, he uh, he has a new album that's going to drop in about a month. And uh and in fact, uh, it's it's not my boy; it's Starboy this time. Uh, that's the first song and the name of the record. Uh, and uh, it would be the headline: uh, this new record and this new single and Daft Punk, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, if he hadn't cut his uh, his famed topiary uh, off his head, uh, the haircut was the headline when uh, when the weekend announced his new record. So uh, good to see his new look. And uh, and I thought Starboy was super fun. It is uh, it is co-produced by Daft Punk. They were responsible for the those noises. That's Daft Punk. That's what they do. So I love those they come noises in from Paris to. Yeah. They, yeah. They're the best at those noises. They do them better than anyone. So if you really need if you need that noise, you got to you got to get Daft Punk. So. Yeah, uh, I thought it was good. It's a it's a fun single. And uh, it's, uh, you know, the weekend early in his career was known for having a pretty severe stage fright. So it's pretty, uh, pretty remarkable to see him like all alone, you know, with his backing band, you know, way in the back. Who knows what they were doing? You couldn't see anything just alone on stage was uh, was pretty remarkable. 
Okay. What about the second performance for the weekend? So the second song I thought was the really exciting part, uh, false alarm. And, uh, you know, uh, for a guy who came up sort of known as a, uh, sort of, uh, R and B crooner kind of guy to be doing this sort of hybrid of Depeche mode and punk rock. Uh, I was really into it. I'm, I'm excited about what his new record's going to sound like. And, uh, and I thought that was that was one of the more ex, the most exciting SNL performances since uh, since Kanye came on and and debuted the Yeezus, uh, the black skinhead, uh, I think, three years ago. Uh, that's what this felt like. It was wow. really uh, it was really electric performance. And uh, I'm really uh, now I'm really curious between Starboy with James, with you're Death gushing Punk and and I love the weekend. And <laughs> I can't I'm I'm. Uh, I'm a big fan. Wow. Rich, did you know this about James? He's working for the weekend over here. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I mean, I, I, I don't feel as knowledgeable as you, but I will say I definitely liked it. And I will say as someone who's not cool or hip in any way and completely <laughs> out of the thing, I love that he cut his hair. I will actually say I, I appreciated the songs more because I was listening to him sing, not staring at the top of his head for three minutes at a clip. So I think a smart choice for him. Okay, good job by the weekend. Uh, James, what did you think of Weekend Update? Uh, I I thought I was wondering if they were going to bring it back because I think it's a great gag. I thought it would have been stronger if it was funnier the first time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I thought this was a better joke than they had the last time, which I think was kind of... Did he even say anything the first time? I thought he just stared at the camera or yeah, something. Yeah, I think or... the joke was that he didn't want to be on camera. So it was sort of a non-joke joke. Yeah, but now he's now we know he has stage fright. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, James. But, uh, uh, but the uh, the fact that he got the haircut was, I thought, a good weekend update. <laughs> Next yeah. week, do we have a musical guest, or is Lin Manuel going to uh, per, uh, perform a musical interlude as well? Oh, if only. So uh, the one of the co stars of Hamilton is in a really amazing rap group called Clipping. Uh, so they could be performing, but no. Uh, it's this band called 21 Pilots, maybe something like 21 that. Pilots. They maybe have a, I don't know. They have a terrible alt rock song on the Suicide Squad soundtrack. I was I've been not impressed with anything I've heard and I don't care. <laughs> oh. I didn't even bother well, to remember their name. Anything after the weekend. I feel know like. the weekend. Yeah, it's just it's just coming down off your weekend high. <laughs> exactly. All right. Yeah. Well, James. Uh, good luck to your Toronto Blue Jays this week. It, it, it might be a short week. Fingers <laughs> yeah. crossed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, James. Uh, you can follow James on Twitter. He is at exclaim editor. And we'll talk to you next week, buddy. All right. Thanks very much. All right. Thank take you, care. Sir. Bye. All uh, right, Rich. Uh, let's talk about the weekend update. And uh, here's uh, Colin Jost and uh, Michael Che back again. Rich, did you happen to catch any of the stuff they did on MSNBC over the summer with the political conventions? I did a little bit. Uh, it was weird because it was a weird room for them to be in. So I don't quite know if that sort of made sense. Um, uh, and they've also been doing a little bit of a tour around town promoting the uh, season premiere of Saturday Night Live. Uh, I will say I think Michael Che is is better at uh, discussion, conversation based comedy rather than just sort of hitting jokes. Um, but it was good to see them both back. Yeah. All right. Well. I have some uh, 
news from Scott St. Pierre. He loves uh, 21 Pilots. <laughs> Just for the record, behind like- the scenes, Scott is yeah. Scott is, uh, is yes, is a big 21 Pilots fan. So maybe he can uh, fill in James before we get to next week. So, uh, Rich, I thought that uh, this, there was some interesting stuff here in this uh, weekend update. And I really do feel like that SNL is getting more comfortable with having Michael Che do uh, more. Uh, seems like he's uh, speaking off the cuff more than delivering jokes. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if he's actually off the cuff or if it just seems that way. I think most of it's written, but uh, but yes, more opinion based than sort of zingers. Uh, right. Yeah, like I set up punchline yeah. type. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. His perspective on things, uh, you know, him using the N word uh, during his little run about Colin Kaepernick made a little bit of a kerfuffle on social media. I I should not and would not comment on that. That's not my place to say. I thought the joke was very funny and he delivered it well. Um, I thought they had a really nice run on the debate, even though we had seen a cold open of the debate and then continued to mine comedy and family feud. I still thought that they had a lot of a couple of jokes. Um, I love the bit when Colin Jost was talking about how Hillary, after beating pneumonia, comes out to uh, James Brown's I feel good and then says, I think everyone's forgotten that James Brown died of pneumonia. I thought that was very, very funny. A lot of good stuff. Uh, we had one joke really sort of bomb. Uh, I think uh, Michael Che had an interesting run about, uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick and he was talking about uh, um, breast care awareness. And if police were shooting unarmed boobies, people would be upset. And the joke really sort of died and then sort of Colin uh, t- took a nice piece of that. And then uh, and uh, Michael really sort of owned that the joke died. So it seems like they are having more fun when things don't work, which is often the hallmark of sort of a good team. I did think it was odd that twice in one SNL episode, Hillary Clinton was compared to prunes. Yes, it was an it was an odd. I thought the same thing. It was uh, it was, and I thought this was a it was a good joke that they had. Uh, but uh, but definitely weird that we got it twice. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we had Kathy Ann, an undecided voter uh, here at, from uh, Cecily. What do you think of Kathy Ann? Boy. Oh boy! I see, I, yeah, I thought, was, I thought if anything, I thought it was too long, but I did enjoy the performance. I thought it was like, I, oh, this is know, really good. I feel like we've basically seen this character from Cecily, whether she's dating a troll under a bridge or whether she's at the Prince Charming Cotillion. Mm-hmm. Uh, always different named. Uh, this one for me, I was just really bored, and 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 I can't even tell you why. I just uh, I feel like I kind of got the horn on this early on and i was just watching it going yep i kind of know exactly where this is going and uh there's so many uh cecily strong characters in weekend update that you know i'm a fan of uh this one was not one yeah i do think that she has a little bit of the Kristen wig thing where she has like three or four different characters maybe or maybe they're all supposed to be the same person that's this and really unless we like sort of got the scripts and we're able to compare the character names we really can't tell them apart yeah, I will say in the positive column, when Michael Che was introducing, we knew it was going to be a correspondent because it's full frame him. Uh, the way he was setting it up, I was so afraid he was about to say my neighbor, Willie, and I was going to smash my television set in. So no, uh, no. I, you got the good did, Keenan, the one that the yes. one that you like, David Ortiz. I know. 
I know I did. I was very, again, and the big poppy, there was nothing new about this bit. This is basically cutting and pasted. This is comedy Mad Libs, but I just, him going through the list of foods over and over again, there, I have no reason to be laughing at this at this point. It, this, I should feel the way I feel about the Californians, and yet it makes me laugh every single time. So I just thought it was really fun. What was your favorite endorsement for Big Poppy? I don't think the endorsements were as nearly as funny as some of the ones last year. Nothing mm-hmm. that I even wrote down, which says something. Uh, so I thought I thought it was uh, it was all fine. But I just loved seeing him back. It was just a fun, a fun piece to see him back. I was also surprised. And actually, I think somebody in the chat room just said this. Uh, yes, Josh said this, uh, that I was uh, I was very surprised that we didn't have Leslie Jones come on to do commentary about her uh, Twitter or, uh, you know, the whole being hacked and stuff. I, I, I was very sure we'd be starting with a, a Leslie Jones. So at least we mixed it up. No, the, we'll get there. We'll get there, Rich. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my favorite with the Big Poppy endorsements, I think, was uh, Hepsi. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. pretty good. Yeah. You like them more than Uh, C. Alice? Yeah. 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 yeah, Because I thought that was sort of just sort of like a knock knock joke. uh, C. Alice. All right. So then I think things get a little rough here post update uh, with a couple of these. So first uh, we get to check in with the Hunch Bunch, sort of a Scooby Doo parody where Margot Robbie plays a character who is a over enthusiastic friend of the uh, alternate universe Scooby Doo gang. Yeah, I actually like this more than the entire Internet. Uh, I I didn't uh, I wish it was a little bit shorter and uh, and it was a little bit the, the sort of the premise was a little bit muddy. At first, we think it's a very children's style Scooby Doo. And then she's uh, you know, she's using foul language like, OK, so this is just like what if an adult hung out with a Scooby Doo gang? But then she was the dumbest of the characters. So it was a very inconsistent. Why is she talking like an adult in this fantasy? world but then acting even dumber than the fantasy people um i did at least like the twists and turns uh when she pulled out the gun and shot bobby moynihan that did make me laugh just from a, a sight gag bit i thought that was very funny um could have been shorter uh i know i read i think on vulture they thought that um kyle mooney uh was sort of a, the standout sort of doing a um um shaggy impression i did not think so i didn't think that worked and i was also like why is vanessa bay or not in this sketch Vanessa Bayer was made to be in this sketch this is what she does and uh, it was very weird not to see her I did think that A.D. Bryant did a very strong Velma as uh, my son watches a lot of Scooby-Doo that she really did nail a Velma impression mm-hmm yeah, no, I know. I thought she did a, a very good job. It was great seeing her. So I, I like this. I thought it could have been shorter, but I got to say post update. I thought it was fun. I, okay. I, I had a good time. Uh, so then, Rich, we had sort of like a deep thoughts with Jack Handy type sketch here with Melania Trump wants to know what happens to people when they leave Fifth Avenue. Very right. short. Is yeah. there a is there a fourth avenue? Is there a sixth avenue? Uh, yeah. 
I thought very short, directed by Dave McCary from the Good Neighbor Gang, the uh, um, uh, Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett team uh, from uh, UCB. Um, yeah, I thought this was uh, what I liked about this is how short it was. I was uh, as much as I, I I was afraid I wasn't going to like it because I thought it was going to go on and on, uh, and it was just a fun sort of quick uh, thing. Again, of course, very Trump heavy, but you know, of an episode, but uh, but it was a fun little piece, sort of uh, you know just seeing the idea that she doesn't even understand what goes on outside the Trump Tower, which I thought was cute. Okay. Rich, then we have uh, this sketch here with uh, we, we end up with uh, Kate McKinnon plays a older woman. I believe her name was uh, uh, Debet Goldry. Do I have that right? That sounds right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's in a New York uh, film festival, uh, women in film panel uh, with a bunch of other female actresses. And I thought this was really funny. Yeah, this was uh, written by Sudi Green, uh, Kate McKinnon herself, and new writer Anna Dresden. The three women teamed up to write this. This was absolutely a a, a close cousin of the alien abduction sketches, yes. which we had last season, where it was basically other people talking about normal things. And then Kate McKinnon's character says, that's not my experience. Um, I I love it. I eat it up. Guarantee we'll see it again. Uh, the fact that Margot Robbie started to break, yeah. I thought she really earned it. We're so late in the show and she's held it together. She's been professional. She's been she's really delivered. So for her to crack up here was sort of like, yep, you earned it. You're allowed to. And again, it's just smart writing and Kate McKinnon's performance just drilling it. Just so funny. I just I really like this. I know a couple of people uh, that I saw on Twitter, some of our our friends, uh, I can't remember who I don't want to quote the wrong person, uh, I think did not like it as much. But uh, for my money, especially at 12, uh, you know, 45 right. a.m., just really making me laugh and just her her stuff just, and the fact that she ended up having to sort of strip for the right for the Germans <laughs> Nazis, and, yeah. and getting paid in brooches. And the, the whole thing was just. <laughs> Just very funny. She's she's just amazing. And and uh, excited to say Emmy award winning Kate McKinnon uh, winning for uh, for her role in SNL. Well deserved. You're seeing it here. Give this to many other uh, good female actresses. And we would have been giggling about it, but we would not think it was necessarily great. All right. Speaking of Emmy award winning, why don't we uh, go to our the last sketch of the night, which was the Mr. Robot parody. Now, first off, uh, Rich, are you a Mr. Robot watcher? Uh, no, I saw the first three episodes. I thought they were very well done. And I said to myself, if Christian Slater is a figment of Romy Malik's imagination, I'm going to punch oh, my television. <laughs> so I gave up. So I got out. Well, no, I wondered. That was my concern. Okay, wondering. Yeah. So I, I said, you know what? I am so afraid that this is going to be a fight club knockoff that I'm going to get out. Uh, but I like what I had seen. So uh, I've heard very good things about it. I did not stick with okay, it. Boy, Pete Davidson was born to play uh, Remy Malik. Boy, was he perfect for this. Perfect. This. Remy Malik and Carly Chaikin from the show both tweeted uh, how much they loved and appreciated it. And they were honored to be made fun of. Uh, I thought it was very fun. And, and this was a really good uh, taking two different things. You're taking the hotness of Mr. Robot and the premise of Mr. Robot and then Leslie Jones being hacked. You're sort of marrying them together in what I think gives us some really good comedy. Uh, so I just thought I don't think this was like the best piece ever, but 
boy, at 12.55 a.m., I'm ready to call it. And this had me the whole way through. I thought just even just her computer and all the cables. <laughs> boy, you have a lot of Delta boarding passes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I loved it when when she said, uh, right, I, I'm assuming you're familiar with Windows 95. <laughs> the only thing I didn't like about this, and it was really funny and clever and well shot and it just that uh, it, it looked fantastic was just the reveal at the end of no. Oh, you didn't get hacked. You uploaded you. You backed up your phone to your website. Uh, I felt like that was a little bit of like, uh, why, why solve the mystery if it's going to be that? The only well, I will I will say I, I disagree a little bit only in that I like that, you know, you sort of pay off like I thought if you're going to set up who hacked Leslie Jones, you need to sort of tell us like in this sketch, you've got to pay it off. And I didn't know like my concern, although I would have understood it is, oh, if she was hacked by a character from Mr. Robot, but that wouldn't have helped me because I don't know that show. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so for me, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And yeah, no mention of, you know, any of the other contract. I mean, Leslie Jones was involved in like, you know, a, co- a few different like uh, huge controversies over the summer between then she was hacked. And then also she was like the subject of a lot of scorn on the Internet where she had to she left Twitter and then she came back because too many people were uh, saying offensive things to her in the fallout of Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah. I did like the I'm not afraid, <laughs> afraid of no ghost uh, yes. mention in yeah. there as well so yeah no, uh, really yeah really fun okay rich uh, let's talk about the goodbyes and uh, a bit of controversy from the goodbyes this weekend correct <sighs> oh boy oh boy <laughs> alec effin baldwin yes are you kidding me are you kidding me what do you have to do that you can't stay in the building for another match game. 82 minutes. You, you know, he's going to the after party and drinking phenomenally a lot uh, and, and hanging out with the cast. So it's not like he had to go home. He's not 70 years old. I mean, uh, you know, the Larry David was able to say, how is that not shaming? Hey, 70 year olds uh, can be president, Rich. Don't, don't be knocking 70 I mean, year olds. Just, unbelievable to me unbelievable to me i was very very upset by this that i mean just and we made such a show that you're going to be on for the whole season that we've hired you to do this thing everything points to yeah yeah you have to show up i was i was fuming this was this was uh an omerta this was an insult to me i was so upset by this Okay, I really wasn't talking about Alec Baldwin. I wasn't talking about uh, Margot Robbie cursing during the goodbyes. Oh, 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 yeah, that too. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what what did she did? What did she say that I, I read the headline? But I did that that at least I from what even... I saw, it was like Larry David was turned the wrong way. They turned them around, yeah. and she said goodbye, and then that was it. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even see. I'm wondering if maybe the chat room knows because I was uh uh I was driving me crazy about it. Um I'm trying to see. I don't see anyone. If anyone knows, let us know. Yeah. I, I don't actually know. Okay. All right. And um 
let's get to some of these questions here from the audience on our show. Uh, of course, if you have a question, uh, real quick, hashtag PS recaps. Uh, let's go to Josh Mabe, who says, uh, who does the better Trump impression, Alec or Daryl? I think we are uh, both on the same page of the modern Trump is, is Alec Baldwin. Absolutely. You know, who does the more accurate impression? Probably uh, Daryl Hammond, but we're not looking for accuracy, especially not in a cold open. Okay. Let's go to red, blue, green. Weren't most of the sketches based on uh, Margot Robbie's attractiveness? You know, only two. I mean, certainly two in a row, um, which was weird as we talked about, but I would certainly say... um, I, you know, I think that, you know, we've seen other attractive ingenue actresses come on and more to be made about it. So uh, so, no, I, I, I think although we did have two in a row, I thought she showed a lot of range, played a lot of characters, played, did some impressions in general. She, she I thought she did a good job. Rich, did you see Suicide Squad? Uh, that would be a new, new boy. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> I no, I I don't know if I would have watched it if I was in the theater while it was showing. I, I had less than zero interest in seeing Suicide Squad. <laughs> All right. Margot Robbie uh, supporting the uh, marriage equality for Australia while introducing the weekend. Uh, not so much a question, but uh, that uh, yeah. certainly uh say i i i mean i guess that just uh speaks to how dumb i am i'm like what does what does that shirt mean say i do down under is this like is this like an advertisement to try to get people to go get married in australia i mean i guess i don't know i don't know i don't know enough about the current events to say <laughs> yeah all right uh mark c and nyc said should we have gotten a hazing the new guys part yeah, I mean, well, we certainly didn't have new cast member or arcade fire. Uh, we didn't have one of those sketches. Uh, you know, obviously, we're, I mean, you know, when, when you have a writer that gets bumped up, I mean, you know, when you look at um, um, Mike O'Brien, who got bumped up, Jason Sudeikis started as a writer and then was it was then put on on camera as a featured player. Uh, I think it sort of changes the dynamic from, you know, from someone like Melissa Villasenor, who obviously is sort of walking in sort of cold and doesn't know the world, doesn't know the ropes is a very different experience okay a couple more questions uh jennifer manning uh shout out to jen in the chat room uh what was the punchline for the librarian sketch uh, girls just letting loose and just keep on going I will say I thought that it was going to be was that I thought what they were going for at first is that she's a meth addict, that she's losing her hair that she's got bad oh, teeth that that she's is, that's a dark news. interpretation rich no, but then the but then the uh, tongue, uh, the lizard tongue sort of threw that off. And I thought what they were trying to sort of say is like, despite all that, when she flashes her boobs, the guys are still uh, on board, even with everything as horrific and horrible as she is, that the guys still want to see her boobs. I, I don't know that it's brilliant, but I thought that's what they were going for. OK, all right. Uh, I I just felt like it was more of a parody of that of that a very classic trope that you mentioned uh, earlier on, yeah. uh, which yes. probably, you know, Saturday Night Live uh, did, you know, 20 years ago with, uh, uh, was it Schlitz Gay? Yes. For the beer yes. with, uh, oh. with, with Farley and Sandler. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best. The Schmitz, Schmitz Gay. Schmitz, Schmitz. 
Oh, fantastic. Okay. And then Mark wants to know, uh, I think that the real Ivanka was there last year with the Donald. Uh, yes, when he hosted. Uh, yeah, also- sort of infamous for one of the very few cameos in SNL that did not get a single clap. It was she walked on and the room was stone cold silent, which was uh, aw- awkward to see. Yeah. Also, Mark had a fact check for us where the Daryl Hammond's Bill Clinton appeared in the Hillary Clinton bartending sketch, which was not a cult open. This is what Mark and Stephanie do. They call us on our stuff. Love it. Love it. Good job by Mark's after after midnight on the East Coast, staying up to listen to this. Love it. Must be so pumped up about the uh, Mets wildcard birth. (laughs) <laughs> can't sleep he can't sleep all right and then uh, alex piper wh- why did they almost take on but ultimately avoid the leslie jones twitter controversy yeah they got into the hacking but not the leslie jones twitter controversy yeah i mean I, you know the season is still young i just think that you you know how many things are you going to do in one episode i think they picked sort of the bigger thing to sort of jump into i suspect we'll see that come up uh, soon enough uh, in in a weekend update piece it's interesting though do you feel like that we have a lot of star power suddenly again in the SNL cast. I mean, obviously uh, Kate McKinnon, I think that she's the biggest name in this cast. And then we also have now Leslie Jones, who I think it's sort of become like a household name over the summer between the Ghostbusters and the hacking and the Twitter controversy. So I, I do think that this is uh, for where we were seemingly in a rebuilding mode. I think that following uh, uh, Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader leaving all of a sudden, I feel like we have some star power, Rich. I hope so. I mean, I think that unfortunately we fall off a cliff after the two names that you just mentioned, not in talent, not in ability, but in sort of perceived star power. You know, it, it you know, this is a very equal cast. You know, uh, you don't have a lot of big. I, I don't know that I can name one male in the cast that I would say is clearly the star of the show. Many of them are brilliant. I mean, I guess you'd have to say Keenan, yeah. but almost from elder statesmen, not from uh, not from the cultural zeitgeist. Okay. All right. Last question from Jen Manning. Uh, who were your favorite impressions of the Family Feud sketch? Do you have one, Rich? Uh, no question. No, Manuel? no. Uh, Lin-Way Miranda. That yeah. was so funny and so well written and so well delivered. And then the and then the beat of like uh, uh, when uh, Keenan says like, did, did did I miss a beat? Did someone hear a beat? <laughs> like it's just a really funny payoff. Really, really fun. I did think that. They were Saturday Night Live was really I'm surprised they did not get a tweet from Donald Trump uh, after they had Bill Clinton like picking up Ivanka in in that sketch. I did feel like that that was uh, certainly that that would be uh, something very upsetting to Donald Trump. You would think. Yes. Yeah, you would think so. But no, no, no word on that today. Uh, No official comments on Saturday Night Live from this weekend, but we'll see if it uh, comes up on the campaign trail this week. All right, yeah, Rich, great job. Uh, great first episode to recap oh. with you. It was, uh, very much looking forward to this all day. Glad we were able to get it in here tonight. Yes, thank you to everyone in the chat room who stayed with us late in the evening. So much fun to do it with everyone commenting as we go. Right, and thank you to Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes uh, who got this show up and running, got the podcast out and all the questions behind the scenes. And thanks everybody who stayed up late to talk with us here in the chat room about this week. That's now. And of course, thanks to James Keese with the musical commentary. Rich will be back next week to talk about the Lin-Manuel Miranda here hosting uh, SNL and Scott St. Pierre's favorite band, 21 Pilots. 
I'm very excited. I can't wait. There will be a lot of Hamilton humor that 98% of America will have no idea what they're making fun of, but I will be laughing. But 2% is going to really, really love it. Really love it. Very, very. Yeah. Should be really good. I'll be in the 98%, Rich. You'll have to explain all the Hamilton jokes to me. I'll be in the two. I'll I'll walk you through it. Okay, thank you. Hold my hand through all the Hamilton (laughs) stuff and explain it to uh, a layman like me. Anyway, yeah. uh, thanks so much for everybody for checking out the podcast of our first SNL recap of the season. If you want to leave us comments, we'd love to get them on postshowrecaps.com. You can email the show SNL at postshowrecaps.com. And we do appreciate your feedback and star ratings on our iTunes page at postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.